Good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? All right. A couple things before I jump into today's message. Number one, next week, do not come to church. Because we're going to have church online next week, not physically, because it's a holiday weekend. And one thing we want to do is this. We want to be able to give people who volunteer. There have been people, and some of you don't know this, that come and serve every single week. They're here early. They stay late. And we want to, number one, honor them and give them some freedom, right? You're celebrating freedom. Give them freedom from having to serve every week. So attend online next week. Amen. Thank you, yeah, and, and be able to celebrate with families and have some time off and give guys a breather uh, to do that. And so I'm excited that next week, join us online, we'll have an awesome worship service. And then also, too, I, I know that, uh, you know, in our world we live in, there's different views of different things. But I want to say this, last week we celebrated and verbally celebrated Juneteenth for freedom from slavery. Because we do believe in equality, right? That we want all human beings to be seen as equal and to have rights and things of that nature. But one of the things that I think that we, we forget, and I want to just donate a, a few seconds, a few moments to this, is that in this world we're in, and I've been listening, I listen to, to liberal and conservative radio because I love to hear both sides of things. Um, yes, I am conservative. Uh, I, I will tell you that. Don't throw stones at me for it. But here's the thing, too, that was, what happened this week. There are the unborn that have rights that cannot fight for themselves. They didn't, don't clap, they didn't, have, they, they didn't ask to become a human being. Um, being pregnant, unless you are through rape and incest, and, you know, there are uh, situations with that, people decide that they want to have intercourse, and they know it's going to make a child. It's pleasurable to them. But then there is the situation of what, does that, what happens to that child. Do you know that only less than 1%, less than 1%, less than, actually less, it's less than 1% of 1% is rape and incest with abortions. 99% or more of abortions are, I don't want it, it inconveniences me. Um, I want to say this, this week for unborn children, Think about all the children who cannot fight for themselves, who do not have a voice, that did not ask for this, that will now have life. And I do want to celebrate that because these unborn children need, they need a choice as well to be able to come into this world and have freedoms and rights. And we believe that for everybody. Um, I do believe that, again, when you look at minority lives, and yes, they matter. And there are minority children that have been aborted for years and years that could have changed this world that could have been the next president, it could have been this or that. And I believe that it was amazing what happened this week for the lives that will be saved um, in this country. And so I, I know there's different views and different things on that. And for me to even step out and say that, for some of you, you may not, may not like, you may not agree, and that's okay. Um, we can all disagree and still be honorable to each other, even though we disagree on, uh, on different issues and topics. And let me say this, this is not a political issue, it's not a faith issue, it's a science issue. That's what it is. It's not faith, it's not politics, it's science, right? Um, I mean, think about this for a second. Again, I'm, I'll get to the message. Have you ever had somebody, a friend that got pregnant, and at the 12-week mark, they show you the, the little thing, and they're excited, and you say, oh, yeah, it's not really a life yet. It's just a, it's just a clump of tissue. I'm not congratulating you. We would never say that, would we? No. But that's what we're made to, to believe. It's life. And uh, I do celebrate the fact 
that, again, I wasn't aborted. That's why I'm here today, all right? And the same is true for you as well. And all those who rail against abortions, they weren't aborted either uh, because somebody said they have a right to have life. They didn't choose this. And so anyway, I just wanted to, to share that with you this week and give some time to that because just as we celebrate freedom from slavery and what that's done for our country and how we're, we've got a long ways to go in this country, but we've come a long ways as well. And this is another step in what I believe is equality that just because a child is this far in a, in a womb doesn't make them any less of a person, right? So I want to celebrate that this morning. So, amen. So go ahead and turn in your copy of God's Word to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. We're in a series in the book of 1 Peter. We're diving into uh, this book and uncovering it, and I've been excited as we've been unpacking the, this book so far. Well, when you think about like world wars, and right now there's a war over in Ukraine, and that's going on, and you can probably remember World War II as far as like watching movies about it and documentaries. My wife and I watched one uh, last year when we were in Utah and doing some Southwestern, like, you know, traveling and things like that. And what was interesting was when you think about winning a war, if I said, what do you want? You get two things, and you can, and this is all you get if you're fighting a war, you're a country right? You would probably say, I want advanced weaponry and technology and more troops. If I have that, I'm going to win. And there is a truth to that, right? Like if you have, if you have advanced tanks and advanced, you know, uh, weaponry and technology and more troops, guess what? You have a better shot to win. And so here's what Germany did in World War II. They, they amassed and had some of the best technology on earth when it came to tanks especially and anti-artillery. They had more troops than anybody else. But why was it that they didn't win the war? They forgot about something that actually, it seems small, but it's very large when it comes to wars. The other countries were only using 50% of their economy and their productivity to fuel the war. They banded together. Germany was using 80 to 85% of their economy and their productivity to try to fuel the war to have more and better. And what eventually destroyed Germany was the fact that their supply chains all got backed up. They couldn't produce enough anymore because they had put so much energy into it there that they could not keep up with the supply chain to fight the battle. And so that's what ultimately one of the issues, or many, that cost them the war. Now, now, why did I open up with that? Because I believe that there's a principle in there that applies to our Christian life, that so many times there's things that we think that don't matter as much as they do, but actually matter a lot. And there's things that we get involved in and we focus on and we fixate on that ends up costing us the war in our lives, the battles that we're in. And Peter writes this to uh, the people that he was writing to in the first century. It's called the diaspora. He was writing to the believers that were scattered all around. And the letter that Peter wrote would have been circulated. He was the top leader in the early church. They would take that letter and circulate it to all the churches they could. And the pastor or elder would sit there and read this letter to everybody. And Peter, when he writes this, and we're going to pause and walk through it some, you're going to see a shift of a man. Because Peter, when he first gave his life to, to Christ, began to follow Jesus, he was a Jewish leader leading Jewish Christians. And God gave him this really, really special call. Remember, Jesus said, wherever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He was speaking about this. He says, Peter, you're going to change religion forever because you're going to loose Jews from having to obey the 613 laws of the Torah. 
you're going to loose Gentiles from having to become Jewish to actually follow the one true living God. Because that was the whole argument of the New Testament. How much of the Old Testament or the Torah do Gentiles need to obey? And Peter was the one that led this march and led this call. But Peter had an issue. Peter was a hypocrite. Peter would go and sit and eat with the Gentiles and hang out with them and say, it's all good. But then he'd go sit with his Jewish brothers and sisters. Once they came into town, he would have nothing to do with Gentiles because they considered them unclean. And they're all Christians. Peter had prejudice and he had some hypocritical tendencies. So what happens, the apostle Paul comes to him and looks at him to the face and says, man, you're a hypocrite. You're wearing an actor's mask. And something happened in Peter's life because what Peter's going to, what you're going to see in 1 Peter 2, 9 is not the same Peter that Paul speaks about in Galatians. He uses language that we're going to see to the first century church, to these Jewish Christians and non-Jewish Christians who are all together that absolutely revolutionizes religion according to what they'd ever known. And so he writes this in 1, Peter's, 1 Peter 2, 9. He says, but you are not like that. He's speaking about those who don't obey God. He says, you are not like that. And look what he says, for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest. You are a holy nation, God's very own possession. Pause for a second there. What he's saying to them is revolutionary. He calls them a chosen people. That means you, non-Jews. Before then, it was on, they only believed the Jews were the chosen people, right? Now he's saying all of you as followers of Jesus are now chosen people. That's good. He goes further though. He says, you are royal priests. Now in the Jewish religion, you weren't a royal priest. You weren't a king and a priest, right? You had prophet, king, and priest, three roles in the Old Testament. And he brings two of the major roles together of kings and priests and says, you are that now royal priest. Not only that, he goes a step further. He says, you are God's very own possession. Speaking to Jews and Gentiles alike, powerful, because they, they never thought of it this way before. And Peter reshapes their, their view. He's showing them who they are in Christ, how valuable they are in Christ. But watch this. He says, as a result, because you are that, and that's you and I today, if you have any doubt of who you are in Jesus, that's who you are. You're chosen, you're a royal priest, you're a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, he says, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. And then Peter goes into action for them, who you are, and now what God has called you to. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. He uses that language over and over again in his letters. Temporary residents. Remember, you have a new home. It's not earth. It's heaven. You were born again from a new father. You have a new family. It's the kingdom of heaven, right? You're just passing through here. He says, so because of that, and this is key to the message today, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. And we're going to dive into that. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors, 
They, they, then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king is head of the state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives, and this is key, should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Now, what Peter is laying out here with their life is this. In the first century, I can't apply this directly to us yet, is they were coming under extreme persecution. Rome was becoming very antagonistic against Christians. Uh, they were beginning to kill Christians. And they would actually bring them to the courts, just like Jesus, and falsely accuse them of things. And what Peter is saying is this. Number one, because of who you are as believers and your new identity, you should live a life that there's nothing they can accuse you of to the open courts. That you have an honorable life. He says you have a great calling from God. You're a chosen people. And that should change the way you behave. And so what I want to share today is this, and this is what I would submit to you, I want you to know today about yourself and about what God's called us to is this. Our calling is too great to be bothered by things that are so small. Our calling is too great to be bothered by things that are so small. He's saying you are now a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And then he shares with them, don't let these worldly desires which wage war against your soul trip you up. What does that mean? Your soul is your mind, your will, your intellect, and your emotions. And so many times we let the war in our mind help us focus on things that don't really matter. It keeps us down instead of understanding the high calling that we have. How many imaginary conversations have you had with someone you don't like this week that has taken your time up and has pumped your cortisol to new levels? Anybody had imaginary conversations? Okay, only me? I, I, I'm your pastor. I'm very unholy. I'm glad you guys are here today. The wage war against our souls. How many times are we caught up in addictions or things that we spend our time on? They're just low. And don't you understand that you have a high calling? That's what Peter was saying to them. Don't let things that are low trip you up in life because of who you are, who God's called you to, and you're called to reflect the goodness of God to the world. The problem is we're dealing with things that are just don't matter, and so we can't reflect the goodness of God to the world. For instance, my, a car, your car is very important. What is, probably the worst thing ever is when you expect that car to work and it doesn't, right? And you have no idea it's not going to work. So for me, one day, I was getting ready to go to work one day, I get in my car, I go to crank it up, and my car doesn't work. Doesn't work, doesn't work. So that was when I was learning things about cars, and so we paid for a tow truck to come in and tow my car away. It gets to the shop, I'm expecting a big, big bill. The tow truck was a big bill. The bill was for $34. The problem was a $2 fuse. Now I know to always check fuses now. I had to pay $170 for a tow truck and $34 because of a $2 problem. Many times in life, we let $2 issues keep us stalled out. We let the fuses, the things that are so small, we let those things keep us from going where God wants us to go. 
And I want to encourage you today, because of the calling on your life, because you are a follower of Christ, you don't always have to be stalled out because of $2 issues. See, here's my fear. If we don't realize the high calling on our lives, we're going to always respond to things that are low. And some of us are responding way too much to things that are low. We're waging war against our very souls, as Peter says, because we're responding to things we shouldn't. For instance, there was an NBA player named Kevin Durant, and Kevin Durant is a top NBA player, and guess what he was caught doing? Created a fake Twitter account so he could troll people. And when you're watching these sports shows, here's their whole, their whole, they're like, this guy should be on the court practicing. His mind should be somewhere else, and he's, he's trolling people on Twitter who've talked trash about him. Fake Twitter account. Like, you think as a professional athlete, you have a high calling as an athlete. You should be a little beyond that, right? You should be a little above that. But so many times as followers of Jesus, we are having arguments. We're caught in things with addictions and problems and issues and imaginary conversations that we can't be fixated on what God's called us to as followers of Jesus, which is reflecting the goodness of God to the world. Can I just tell you this about people and social media and people that try, because people try to bring you down to their level, that, that, that's what happens? Don't wrestle with a pig. You know why? You're both going to get muddy, and they love it. <laughs> and so many times we find ourselves doing that. That there's a reason that sometimes you just don't respond to people, you don't get engaged in that, you don't get involved in that, because you say, you know what, I've got th greater things to worry about. And there was a guy in the Old Testament named Nehemiah. He was called to come back and build the temple, the walls around the temple. Ezra and Zerubbabel rebuilt the Jewish temple. All this had been prophesied in the Old Testament. It's coming to a, to a culmination of the Jews coming back to Jerusalem. And Nehemiah is called to build the wall. But when you study the book of Nehemiah, what you're going to find out, there's two guys who were sent to always antagonize him. There was Sanballat and Tobiah the Ammonite. And they could not stand what was happening with the walls because they were enemies of the state. And so they attacked Nehemiah by saying his work was bad, and even if, if a fox jumped on it, the walls would fall down. I mean, they were just attacking him every way that they could. And they couldn't get his attention. He kept building, and he kept building. And finally, one day, they sent letters. They said, we would like to speak to you and have a conversation with you. Now, Nehemiah is a leader, a Jewish leader, a good Jewish leader. You would think a good leader would go and have a conversation with this person, don't you? Do you know what Nehemiah sends back to them in a letter? I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. That's what he sent back to them. And friends, can I tell you, that should be our very language. Maybe not to people, but in our minds, when somebody tries to get you to engage in something and come down to a lower level, you say, I'm sorry, I'm doing a great work. I can't, I can't stoop down to that level right now. I got something greater that God's called me to. Amen? Amen? When it comes to addictions in your life and you're struggling with things, it's not just stop, quit. When you realize the greater call that God has, when you realize the greater focus, the greater goal in life, you just don't have time for that anymore. You know, I tell you guys all the time about the health journey I've been on and how much I love food. Man, I, lo I love good food. Don't you ever, if you put a box of cookies in front of me, it's tough. Me and Alan McGuire love us some Oreos, I'm telling you. 
But here's one thing I realized in my life. Those are good. But I want to be older, and I want to be strong, and I want to be healthy for my son to go hiking with him when I'm 85 years old. So you, you see the greater? So I, the cookies are good. I can't come down to that. Maybe you struggle with alcohol addiction. Once you realize the greater call in your life, you just say, man, I just don't have time for it. There are people in your life that cause drama. And I have this saying, you have, have as much drama in your life as you want to have. Some of you don't need, don't, you don't have to say it to them, but you can say it by not responding. It's like, you know what? I'm doing a great work. I'm raising a family. Man, I'm focused on Jesus. I'm do, I don't have time for all that, to cut some friends off in your life. Amen? But so many times, if we don't realize that high calling in our life, we'll always stoop down to things and to people that are lower. And Peter says this, you are God's holy nation. You are his own special possession. You are royal priests. That's not for your pastor. That's for you. And because of that, as a result, our lives should be different. And so here's what we have to do, guys. I want you to write this down this morning. If you're going to not respond to things that are low as this. It's honor is taking the high road because of the high calling on our lives. That's what honor is. I said earlier, I can disagree with you without being dishonorable to you. And that's one thing we've lost in our society. It is sick how dishonorable we are to people we disagree with. But honor is taking the high road because of the high calling. Now, taking the high road isn't easy, easy at all because you want to sucker punch that person, don't you? You want to tell them off. And if you're like me, you have crafted the perfect comeback to everything they're going to come at you with. I mean, you've had these conversations over and over. But as followers of Jesus, Peter is begging you not to engage in that because of something greater on your life, a greater call on your life. I had a friend come to me and this was many years ago, so you, most of you weren't even at Thrive. And he said, I have a problem with some of your social media posts. I don't think it's becoming of a pastor to post that. And I don't have to get into the details of it. But you know what the friend was saying to me? You have a higher calling. Why are you engaging in something so low? And I had to realize because of the higher calling in my life, I had to be more honorable, and I wasn't being honorable, especially in the area of social media. People lose their minds on social media, don't they? And I want to encourage you that honor is taking the high road even when the other person doesn't. And here's what Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. And he writes this to the believers that are in the room. So it's dual focus. It's not only being honorable because of your calling to reflect the goodness of God to those who are unbelieving around you, but it's also to each other. That's one of the major issues. Some of you are like, yeah, man, I, I can get on board with, with like reflecting Jesus to the world, but some of us have issues with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And he says this, finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. That's hard. Amen? That's the biggest 
ask in the Bible. Because Jesus, Peter is regurgitating what he heard from Jesus. On the, Bless those who persecute you, love your enemies. That is not what the Jews were taught in the Old Testament. Wipe them out. And now he flips the script. Now Peter's regurgitating this. He said, this is what God, God has called you to. And he will grant you his blessing. How many of you want the blessing of God to rest on your life? Amen. This is the way to do it. And it's funny that when you look at the world and its culture and customs, this is not normal for the world. So he says this, for the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. He says, live honorably. Take the high road because of your high calling. And here's the action I want to encourage you with this morning. When people treat you wrong, when people do you wrong, when people say things about you that aren't true, respond in grace instead of with a grudge. That's what Peter was saying to him. Because if you're like me, I get resentful. I get mad. I get angry. I want to insult back. And Peter is encouraging them because of who they are in Jesus, respond with grace. What does that mean, respond in grace? There are people who've hurt you and done you wrong. They've lied about you. Some have physically hurt you. And here's what forgiveness does for you. Forgiveness doesn't free them from what they've done from, for, uh, to you. We, we think that some, well, if I forgive them, they're free. Uh-uh. Your unforgiveness for that person or those people doesn't create a prison for them that they can't get out of. It creates a prison you can't get out of. And when you forgive and you respond in grace and freely forgive somebody, it releases you from the prison that you're in. And Peter says, respond with grace. I know they deserve it. But don't give them what they deserve. Give them a blessing. He says, and when you do that, God's going to put a blessing on your life whenever you do that. You know, Abraham Lincoln was asked about one of the guys that was running against him, how he felt about him. This guy had trashed Abraham Lincoln. I mean, just running him through the mud, lying about him, going through all these things. And one of the reporters said, uh, Mr. Lincoln, how do you feel about this man? He says, I think he's a good man. I think he's going to try to do good things if he gets in office. He says, I think I, I should be in office, but I think that this is a good guy. Try, he's trying to try to do good things. Sum it up for you. The guy said, haven't you heard what he said about you? And Abraham Lincoln said, yes, I've heard exactly what he said about me, but you didn't ask how he, how he felt about me. You asked how I felt about him. Honor is taking the high road because of the higher calling on your life. I don't know who it is that's trying to bring you. You have some sand ballot and Tobiah the Ammonites in your life. And I don't know where they're at in your life. I don't know if they're friends. I don't know if they're on social media. I don't know if it's at your job. I don't know if it's an ex. I don't know who it is. But they keep trying to bring you down to a, diff, to a lower level to wrestle in the mud with them. And I want to encourage you. You have a greater calling in your life. You have a higher calling in your life. The Lord has chosen you, and he wants to use you. But if you're so focused on the things that are down there and down here, you'll never be able to respond to the higher calling that God's called you to. 
And sometimes you just got to say no to them, just like Nehemiah did. I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down to that. I can't give mental space to that. I can't give energy to that. I can't give... I have got to let that go and take the high road because of the high calling. And that's my prayer for you this week because God, God wants to use some of you. He wants to use you on greater levels. But you're so wrapped up in all this other stuff, you have no energy for what God wants you to do. That's the ploy of the If the enemy cannot stop you, he'll just distract you and try to delay what you're doing by getting you involved with people and things. They're going to slow you down. So that's my prayer for you this week is that you would identify those things that are calling you down. What are those Sanballat and Tobiah the Ammonites in your life? What are they? Who are they? And what do you need to do for your next step to say, you know what? I ain't got time for it anymore. God's got something greater for me, and I refuse to be dominated by this anymore in my life. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we need your strength to do this because so many of us have been in this for so long. We've been responding to people and to things, and we've been engaging in harmful activities and destructive activities for so long. I just pray, Father, that for some people in here, they need to know what is you and what is good, and what they, they need to choose the God thing over the good thing. And for others of you, Lord, it's them choosing the good over the bad. And I don't know why that is, but Lord, thank you for saving us, for redeeming us, for calling us a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. You've called us out of darkness into your light, and you have put a calling on us, Lord God. Every one of us in here, whether we're physically in here or online watching, you have a greater calling. Father, help us to respond in grace to all of the people that are trying to create resentment and create a grudge in our life. Help us to respond in grace to all of those things that are trying to bring us down. Give us the strength to say no. Give us the strength to stay on the wall and keep building, Father. And we thank you, Lord, because we can trust that you will do that through your Holy Spirit in our lives, Lord. And as we're praying today in here, church, I don't know if you're in here physically or online, and, and you say, you know what? I've got to give my life to God. I need to respond to the gospel. That's what I need to do. Maybe that's your next step, is giving your life to Jesus wholeheartedly, giving everything up to him, because you know that you have a high calling that he's calling you to. I don't know if you walked away from your faith. I don't know if for the first time ever you want to give your life to Jesus, but today is your day. So right where you're at, in this sacred moment, the most important moment of your life, I want you to pray this prayer after me. Make this confession of faith today to the Lord. You say, God, I admit I'm a sinner. I admit my good works can't save me. For I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe that he died on the cross. I believe he rose again on the third day. Today, I make Jesus my Lord. I repent. I turn from my old life, my empty life. I receive full forgiveness of sins, and I receive a high calling. Thank you for choosing me, making me your very own possession, Lord. Thank you that I'm the apple of your eye.
And it's in Jesus' good name I pray these things. Amen.